Welcome to the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Of course, there aren't really any normal people, but every person has a spirituality, whether plumbers or politicians, firefighters or farmers, entrepreneurs or entertainers. I'm Matthew Bruff, pastor and author, bringing you tips, guidance, and practical advice for how to live out and keep the life in your relationship with God. You can find show notes, books, and more at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. Welcome to episode 11 of the Spirituality for Normal People podcast. Thanks so much for listening today. Uh, Today, I have a really great interview with Jen DeCombe. And Jen DeCombe is uh, the Associate Secretary for Canadian Ministries at the Presbyterian Church in Canada, which is my denomination. Um, So I'm thrilled. I was thrilled to be able to interview Jen and talk to her a little bit about her own spiritual practices, and uh, she just is really honest in this conversation about some of uh, what she does and what works for her. Um, so we get to some of that in the interview. Um, we also talk about what role can institutions or denominations play in the development of spirituality. So that's kind of an interesting conversation, as well as uh, talking a bit about the ways congregations are struggling with engaging uh, engaging the idea of following Jesus amongst the people who are part of those congregations. Um, so it's it's kind of a, a wide-ranging conversation that Jen and I had. Uh, at the end of the interview, it sometimes seems like at the end of the interview, we get to some of the most interesting things. So I know some of the interviews are long, and um, so I appreciate you listening to those. Uh, but at the very end, we actually get around to talking a little bit about um, inviting non-Christian friends to learn more about faith. And I think Jen has a really great approach and understanding to this. Um, and uh, and so she's worth listening to on that. Um, there are a bunch of resources and things that were mentioned in the interview. So those are in the show notes um, that you can find at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com slash Jen. So if you just head uh, over there, you'll find a bunch of resources. Uh, I'm not going to give much of an update today um, other than to just say uh, the Let God Be God book um, that came out last week is still available uh, as an ebook for 99 cents. So go and get it now. Um, the price is going to go up on the ebook, on both ebooks actually, um, the Let God Be God book as well. The price is going to go up uh, sometime soon. Um, so go and grab it now while you have a chance, um, while it's uh, a good deal, uh, 99 cents. So uh, other than that, I am at our denomination's General Assembly this week, and so I'm recording this intro from there uh, and uh, a few days in advance. So the assembly hasn't started yet when I'm recording this, but likely by the time you're listening to it, uh, the assembly might even be over by now. Um, So I might have more reflections on what my time at, at General Assembly has been like, and this year I'm working with the young adult representatives to our General Assembly. So I'm not one of those uh, folks who gets to come and vote and participate in the debate, but I'm advising uh, our young adult representatives who uh, come from across Canada um, to learn and to see how 
the national denomination and structure of our church works. Um, so that's a great privilege and really great to be meeting um, with those young people. And uh, yeah, I might have more to, to share on that uh, after I get back. Um, but for now, just uh, sit back, enjoy the interview with Jen DeCombe. I'm really happy to welcome Jen DeCombe to the podcast today. Hi, Jen. Hi. It's uh, great to have you on. Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, yeah, so Jen, you uh, work for the Presbyterian Church in Canada at our national office. That's my denomination as well. And um, we've gotten to know each other a little bit over the last little while, kind of been at a couple of different events. And uh, I've always enjoyed spending time with you and having breakfast with you. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Yeah. So, um, so I'm really happy you're here. Um, but I wanted to also just begin with just asking about your... Uh, role at uh, our church offices. And maybe you can just say sort of what it is that you do, because it's sort of this massive portfolio that you have. Yeah. So essentially, um, I manage a department of the national office. So uh, I manage Canadian ministries, and that's a department that provides resources um, in really all kinds of different areas for congregations. So Basically, anything that touches a congregation's life, Canadian Ministries is involved with. So everything from new worshiping communities to Christian education to worship, Native ministries, social justice, we connect with all those different pieces. Evangelism, discipleship, you name it, it's under Canadian Ministries. Right. So any ministry happening with a Presbyterian church in Canada is sort of under your your portfolio. So... (laughs) Well, they're, they're, my work would connect with what they're doing. So, uh, right. yeah. Yeah, and you're, it's kind of like resourcing work, right? Like you're, you're yeah. there to help resource and equip those, those ministries. No, it's not like we're not, uh, uh, we're not answerable to you, <laughs> but you're there to no. help. Right? Yeah, so essentially we provide um, online and written resources, but we're also looking at um, how to walk more closely with congregations as they, they try to enhance their ministry. So we're, uh, we're developing coaching networks and different different ways of, of connecting in with of communities and um, and supporting them as they grow. Right. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, your own spiritual practices, because that's kind of what the point of the podcast is, is just to sort of see what's out there, what different people do. But I also want to take the opportunity to ask you about what role you think institutions can play or ought to play in supporting spiritual formation, um, because I think that's... I think that's part of what Canadian Ministries is is hoping to do and work on. Um, So I'd love to hear what you think about that. Yeah, so certainly I think um, institutions need to provide resources. Uh, So it could come in a variety of different forms. So it could be prayer books, it could be um, liturgies, it it could be Bible studies, but we need to provide resources so that um, congregations and individuals are um, are equipped to to study the Bible to uh, to and and also to ask questions that, that bring them more deeply into their faith. So I think we have a role in producing resources. Um, and I, what we're trying to do in Canadian Ministries is actually um, create a coaching network in Christian education. Uh, so really, in discipleship, right? Um, and having coaches that can connect with congregations uh, and help them develop programs and. Um, and worship services that really help their members explore their spirituality and become true disciples of Jesus Christ. So not just knowing about God or, or knowing about Jesus or the history, or but really knowing God um, and knowing Christ and, and, and forming a deeper relationship with 
uh, with God. Mm-hmm. So what do you see as, uh, as one of the biggest challenges in that, in that area? So like, what are congregations struggling with or what's holding them back from working on that? Well, I, I think, uh, mainline churches are, are struggling in lots of different ways. And, and when, um, you know, questions around finance or administration start coming up, we can become panicked. Um, and then we tend to focus on how do we, uh, how do we maintain our building? How do we, you know, keep the structural pieces going rather than, how do we really follow Christ? Um, and we get so busy with, with making sure it, the organization functions um, mm-hmm. that we can sometimes neglect the more spiritual. And, that, and that's the underpinning. Like we have to be the people of God in order to do the work of God. And so as a foundation, we, we need to have that spiritual practice. We need to have um, moments where we're connecting God, with God so that we can actually be energized for the work so that we can make the structure function. Right. Right. And I think like one of the challenges that I see is that sometimes there's a perception of denominational offices, whether it's our denomination or another one that really, they, they sort of are, are, are more self-serving that like there's the people in the churches and, and there's, that's just one other level of administration that we're trying to maintain. Um, but, but I see the work that you're doing and and it's happening in our our denominational office. I think most denominational offices yeah. are are trying to act sort of the other way to say, well, how can we help people on the ground yeah. engage with God and engage their spirituality? Yeah, and and we really do see it as a calling. So um, when I was hiring for the different positions in my department in the Department of Canadian Ministries, um, we talked about it as a vocation. So it's not just mm-hmm. coming in and doing a job. Like we want people who feel called to the, this ministry um, and when we have our staff meetings, we always begin with a time of, of uh, studying scripture and prayer. Uh, and we actually hold the denomination in prayer. Uh, mm-hmm. So we pray for congregations. We pray for our grant receiving ministries and we pray for guidance so that God will direct us what kind of resources we should be producing or uh, the ways that we should be working with, with the congregations. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really important because I, I'd read a, a book. It's by Peter Block. Um, I, I might've mentioned this to you before, but uh I, I think it was either the answer to how is yes or his book on community. Yeah. Uh, and he talks about how leadership groups at whatever level it is, one of the best things they can do is, is model within themselves what their hoped for future is for the wider group. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought that was a really interesting way. So I've sometimes it's hard sometimes like I've tried to do that with, our session, our like elders, um, yes. sometimes, but it's, it's very difficult to do that. Yeah. And I imagine that's difficult at a denominational level as well, but to spend time in prayer together, studying scripture together, you're, you're sort of modeling, even yeah. though nobody necessarily sees that, um, yeah. it's, you have to live that out in order to be able to do the work that you're going to do, even just as a model for yeah. the rest of the church. Well, we, we've been using this resource put out by the Vital Churches Institute called uh, Word Prayer Share. Um, and so you can actually Google Vital Churches Institute and you can find that there are about 80 of them that have been produced. And we just, we're going through it one by one. And it, it basically, it's a little Bible passage with some focused questions and then a time of prayer. Uh, and it's, it's proved to be really meaningful for us. And that's, and that's designed for group study? Yeah, it's designed actually yeah. for, for sessions. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah. I, we can put it, I'll put a link in our, I'm doing show notes for the show. So sure. we can put a link directly to it on the website. Um, all right. That, that is awesome. That's great. I love like resources. That's good. 
Uh, and you're a person to talk to about that for sure. Uh, but I want to shift gears and talk about you and mm. sort of what you do. And I know we spoke about this um, when we were together at an event uh, last January and yeah. said, I want to have you on the podcast because you've got great things to share about your own spiritual practice and what you do. Um, so what does your personal spiritual practice look like or consist of? Well, it, it, it shifts, right? So sure. um, at its highlight, what it, what it looks like is... Um, daily scripture reading, right? So um, I actually was really faithful to this for, for a few months and it, and it made, I can't even tell you, like it made such a huge difference in my life. Like when I am focused in my spiritual life, everything else somehow seems to fall in order. Um, and it, it's hard, like, cause you know, you want to check your email when you get up, you want to, like, there's so many distractions, right? But yeah. um, I went through this period of time where I got up and with my morning coffee, I would read, um, I was reading the old Testament. So like, like actually working my way through, like from like beginning to end. Um, so I'd read uh, wherever I was at in the old Testament. Um, I would read a Psalm and I would read, um, a gospel, like a part of the gospel. And it just, it enriched my life so much. So this regular study, uh, of scripture really made a difference. Um, I've, I found this Bible that I've been using that's been really helpful uh, to me. It's called the Life with God Bible, and it's put out by Renovare. Um, and it was really interesting. I was reading through the introduction, and they were saying that on average, people own about nine Bibles, uh, which really points to like, we know that there's life to be found in, in the Word of God, but it, it's hard to sometimes get into um, or to, to see how it, it connects in with our life now. And um, so what I really love about this Bible is that um, there are extensive notes, and it's not just sort of lifting up the historical context or um, sort of interesting features about the passage or things to notice. There is that, there's that historical contextual piece, which I really love, but then there's also this really practical piece where they're pointing to how people's lives have been shaped by God and, and, and God's message. And, and then it talks also about like what kind of spiritual practices that we can uh, engage in to also see that type of transformation in our life. Uh, so it's, it's been a really, really helpful Bible. Yeah. I, I remember taking a look at it in January um, yeah. and uh, when we were together and it looked fantastic. And I just kind of looked at who the editorial board was for the Bible. There's some fantastic theologians yeah. and, uh, and people who've written commentaries on scripture and, and just to have that group of people and that wisdom who've worked together on putting those notes together yeah. um, was, was great. And Renovare is a great, great group as well. So yeah. I've, uh, I've been kind of exploring, uh, they have a, a fantastic website and, um, yeah. so people should check that out for sure. Definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. Another yeah. So, uh, for my kids, actually, um, before I bought this Bible, I bought the, the, uh, the journal Bible. So like, you know how we, like, there's yep. that coloring book thing going on right now. So basically it takes different passages of the Bible and then it um, lifts them up and, and then it, you can color along, like mm-hmm. alongside like the, like the actual Bible, there are these like lifted up passages that are, you can color in. And my kids have been coloring in the, the pictures and starting to memorize verses that way. Wow. So for my kids, that's been an in- interesting entry point. That's good. See, I need tips around kids because we're, we're actually, maybe by the time this airs, we will have, you know, settled on which Bible we're going to read next as a family. Because <laughs> um, yeah. we had, uh, we've worked through uh, a couple um, and, and sort of looking for something that's a better age for, for our daughter. Um, but that's a, that's a, not a bad idea. because She loves art and loves coloring. So yeah, I don't know, maybe, 
maybe we'll see yeah. we'll see where we go but that's a, that's a great idea too um is there anything else like what else you said it kind of changes or shifts are there other things yeah. that you found that have been used particularly useful so uh, for me ritualizing it has been really use um hmm. it has been really important actually because um I can get easily distracted. And so I, I try to uh, link up Bible study or prayer to regular activity. So um, morning time is, I wake up uh, like a couple of hours before my family wakes up. Um, and it's, it's it's quiet in the house. And I, and I love drinking coffee in the morning. Like it's one of the things I really look forward to. So linking a prayer practice to drinking coffee um, has, has really helped me remain faithful in my practice. Um, so linking it up to different moments. Now, actually, when we have dinner, we always light candles and we pray as we light the candles. So just creating these moments um, and linking them up to everyday events has been really important for me. And then also like uh, at night now, um, especially with my older son. So we say the Lord's Prayer together, uh, like all my kids and I. Um, but then with my oldest son, we actually have a, a time where we just, we, we, we share in prayer. Um, and like that's part of bedtime now. And so it's, it's ritualized and it's, it's one of like the moments of the day I look forward to the most. Actually. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, I think too, like one thing that I want to encourage people, and we've said, I've said this before on this podcast that um, particularly spiritual practices in a family context, I don't think need to be, they don't need to be complicated. Yeah. Um, and that maybe makes it, um, you know, if you try to make it complicated, that's probably going to make it harder. Yeah. Um, so even things like mealtime and bedtime, waking up time, um, it could be all of those. It could be one of those. Yeah. Um, but anything that you can do in your family context is going to be, is going to be good. Yeah. Um, so for us, ours is really only mealtimes when, when it's just me and Cheryl and Juliet. Yeah. And uh, if one of us is missing or if we have guests, we don't, we pray. We always pray before our meal regardless. Yeah. our scripture reading is only when it's the three of us. And so part of that is sort of precious. Yes. Um, and part of it is kind of like, well, we're, there's lots of nights where I'm not there. I'm off to a meeting or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of wonder about whether we need some more consistency for my daughter. Um, but, but it's fine for now. Um, yeah. We don't really do bedtime prayers, but we do that prayer at our meal right now as our kind of grounded, grounded thing. Yeah. Um, well, I think any, like, even if it's not every day, you're doing it every week. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's something that your daughter will associate with your family. Like when you're all together, you're together around scripture uh, and family meals are like, are such important times. So that's a, it's a beautiful tradition to have. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know when I was growing up, like we, um, you know, we said, we, we said, I think pretty much the same prayer at every supper and uh you know sometimes it would vary but it's sort of um the one the one prayer that we said and we had a very uh faithful home but i don't really remember a lot of kind of quote-unquote religious instruction going on in our house but just that grounding of you know we had that and we always went to church and um you know our parents were open about their faith and so i think I think it doesn't need to be a big grandiose thing um, thinking you have to have, you know, absolutely all your ducks in a row in order to pass on faith to your children. Like I think they pick up a lot from sort of observation and and seeing what you're doing as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah. yeah. Um, Now you kind of, 
said you were going through a time when you were reading. So it kind of sounds like maybe you're out of that or, um, so, <laughs> so what I, do you I, do when you, when you, when you were, and you're looking back on that time and now maybe, is there something new or are you just kind of going, Oh, I'm, this is a more challenging time. So, um, as you know, like I, I, I kind of have a hectic travel schedule. Oh yeah. And so sometimes that would, it breaks a pattern and I have to yeah. reestablish it. Um, so I, but I'm actually, I'm not doing it now because I'm, I've, I've adopted a different practice for Lent. Oh, okay. um, what I'm doing is I'm reading the same Bible passage three times a day. Um, and I'm trying, like looking to see how it will shape me. Right. Yeah. During okay. this time. And this, like, this is going to air sometime like Lent will be well over by the time this is on the podcast. So yes, okay. you're, we are traveling through time. For, yes. you know, and people will listen to this and people might listen to this like well after it's even sort of available anyway. Um, but right now it's Lent while we're, while we're doing this recording. Uh, yeah. So I'm interested as well about the idea of like, what do you do to reset? Uh, you know, if you like whatever it is, cause that could happen for lots of people, whether it's a busy time or travel is an, is, is one for you. Um, yeah. but that might be similar for other people. Um, and then how do you get back in? what do you do if, if sort of you're going through a rut and you need to try to get out of it? Then you exercise discipline, self-discipline, <laughs> right? You just say, okay, I'm doing it tomorrow. It starts. Um, for me, um, I didn't have a cell phone for a long time and then I got a cell phone and then I found it just, it shifted my morning. Cause I would wake up and I would immediately check like what emails did I get? And um, so I really had to to sort of break that habit um, so that I would focus on scripture first thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And it wasn't easy like it. And I didn't always feel like, like, I, I, like my impulse was to go to the phone. But um, whenever I sit down with scripture, like, it feels so good once I'm in it, you know? Um, so just exercising self-discipline, doing it. And then I think tying it also to like, like a morning coffee to something you're doing it makes it easier. Yeah. I think as well, like for me, it's, it's not feeling bad about being in the rut. Like I know if like, I usually have some sort of plan, like I, well, actually not right now, but I used to have a plan because I'm a goal oriented kind of person. So I would have a plan of what I wanted to accomplish. So it'd be like reading through the Bible in a year or or reading this particular book in a certain amount of time or whatever. And then if I got off track, I just thought, wow, like there's no way I'm going to meet my goal. So I should just quit. Like, yeah. And I say it out loud and it sounds, it sounds silly, but that's how our, like, that's how my brain works anyway. Yeah. So I just needed to learn to have grace with myself and, and either there's a new plan or I just keep going and, you know, it's okay. Yeah. So I pick up where I left off and it doesn't matter. So I think sometimes seasons can be really, really helpful, like Lent or Advent. But yeah. sometimes they're not helpful because you sort of get off track. Like if you've got a Lenten devotional that you're supposed to be reading every day yeah. and then you miss three days, you start to feel like, oh, yeah, shoot, I yeah. wish I was staying on track here. Yeah. And, and I started late with my my three days, like the, the, like the right. three schools you're reading a day. Um I started a couple of days in and I, and I was like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't do it. I've, I've kind of missed like the starting point, but then I started doing it and it's, it's been meaningful. So. Right. Like the other day as well. I, um, so my, what I'm doing for Lent is I'm, I'm trying to uh, fast um, okay. one day a week 
Mm. Um, during the season. So I had my first fast day this week, but I, I'm, tr- I'm planning out when the days are going to be based on where there's going to be, where I'm not going to be home basically, because family meals are important. Yeah. So I know already, okay, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be at supper that night anyway. So that's a good night to like Juliet, my family know that I'm doing it, Yeah. but but it's harder when everybody's eating. So of course the thing that happened got scheduled, there was some weather and it got canceled and I ended up at home and I was 12 hours into my 24 hour fast and I was starving. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I'm going to reschedule my fast day. Like something messed up the schedule and okay, maybe, and, and maybe I bit off more than I could chew. I haven't done a fast day in a long time. Yeah. And so maybe a 12 hour fast is fine for today. And the next one, maybe, maybe the best way is to then go 16 hours and go to, you know, eventually get to 24 by, you know, a few weeks into Lent, but just to sort of modify the practice and not feel bad about, I could have just said, Oh man, I should have done my fast. And isn't that terrible? I'm a bad person, but that's kind of not the point, right? Yeah. Well, the point is connecting to God and you've named those meals, like that mealtime as, as a way you connect with God. Right. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Thank you. This is really, I'm doing this podcast so that you can encourage me. That's really, (laughs) that's really why we're doing this. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I think kind of that staying consistent was another question I had, but you had had some else you want. Yeah. Just like another thought about when, when I've fallen off track in my prayer life. um, One thing that I find encouraging is I, I'll start reading um, some kind of a Christian discipline book, like spiritual discipline book. Mm -hmm. um, And then, kind of gets me excited and back I get, um, back into it. So I'll, I'll right. try a different practice or, uh, so I find sometimes uh, just reading about it gives me the desire to, to embark in it again. Right. That's, that's really good. Um, I think you maybe have answered this, but is there, are there any things that you do to stay consistent? Like I know you're talking about self-discipline. I think some people really struggle with the idea of being disciplined. Um, yeah. Well, I actually, um, something you and I spoke about has um, impacted my life uh, called uh, you talked about mini habits Yeah. with your writing and how like you, you would set these really small goals each day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I find that's a really helpful approach, like these like developing mini habits. So like, I remember you're talking about with your youth group, just like make your goal reading a verse. And it's so small that like, of course you can do it. Right. So um mini habits, I think is a really good approach to take. Mm -hmm. I think as well, like you talked about ritual and discipline, and I think we're sometimes scared of those words Mm -hmm. and like habit is maybe another word that we can use. That's maybe a little less scary because we we're okay. We understand I've got bad habits and I want to develop better habits. Yeah. Yeah. And really ritual is that that's kind of the same thing. It's giving you some tools to develop yeah. a healthier habit. Right. Okay. Um, and, and we have rituals. We don't necessarily think about them as rituals, like brushing our teeth every day as a ritual, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and it's a habit, but it's, that's, there's yeah. a ritual to it. There's action to it. Yeah. There's something you've got to do. So I think to remind people of those things that you can build ritual and yeah. it might connect ritual might connect to tradition. It might be something new yeah. that's just a habit, but it but it hopefully connects to tradition as well. Like we've got these deep yeah. resources within the tradition to draw yeah. upon to build to build our habits around. 
It's in, I was reading, um, well, I, I'm actually currently reading a book by uh, Lauren Winner. Uh, and so she okay. used to be Jewish, uh, and then she converted mm-hmm. to Christianity, and now she's um, an Anglican priest in the States. And just after she converted, she was struggling because she found um, the living a Christian life was challenging and having spiritual discipline, like a spiritual practice was difficult. And so she spoke about how in Judaism, faith and belief and um, sort of followed action, right? In the Jewish tradition. So there's like this strong emphasis on action. So like lighting the the candles on, on, on Shabbat, like just doing like like the way you, you prepare food. So like, the faith would grow out of those actions. So I think like action is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we, I think lots of, like, especially mm. Protestants. Yeah. Um, I think really struggle with that. Like we've, at least I was raised and kind of the church seems to teach that, that action flows out of faith. Yeah. Um, and that, and I mean, it's, it's right in a sense, right? Like it's sort of, we don't, we yeah. don't emphasize works. We want to emphasize grace that's you know uh, appropriated through faith um and so we end up uh, kind of downplaying our actions yeah Um, Yeah. we're kind of in our heads a lot Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's why i said protestants because we're especially um focused on the word and sort of what we are going to extract from scripture for our learning um and edification right Mm -hmm. um and less of a sacramental uh, approach yeah. Um, so I think we have things to learn from like the Eastern church and the, and the Catholic church as well yeah. um, around how we engage our whole bodies and our action. Um, and then how do we enter into those things? Like, like you said, you know, even when you don't feel like it, yeah. then you're still going to go to scripture. And then in the midst of it, then you're feeling like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Well, it's um, like exercise, right? Like, yeah. Oh I'm yeah. Not- <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I never have the impulse. Like it's not within me to want to run or to do anything physical, right? Like I could maybe spend all day on my couch, but when I do physical activity, I feel good. I feel right. Good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes I feel good. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I don't. Um, afterwards, I feel good that I've done it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's yeah. I mean, that's how it is. Actually, my writing is is sometimes like that too. Like I'll. I'll write my, my goal is to write every day. I don't always necessarily do it. Um, but when, when I don't feel like doing it and I push myself to write, yeah, there are those moments where in the midst of it, it is, it's fantastic. Like something comes out that is, wow, this is, this is amazing. Yeah. But even those are sometimes few and far between. Like I'll go days where I didn't really feel like writing. Nothing really grabbed me as I was writing. Yeah. But then after I'm done, I feel wow, I'm really glad I did that. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't neglect this today. And scriptures like that, you know, like sometimes yeah. the, the message doesn't come right away. It'll come right. up in a conversation later. And you're like, wait, I read this passage and it speaks of this situation in the following ways. And Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking, uh, I think last week's episode, maybe it'll be last week's, <laughs> um, but uh, with uh, with someone about how, when we read, it's the same thing, whether it's scripture or any books that often they're just having an impact on us. Um, and we're not really completely aware of that. And it'll be six months later or two years later where the shaping that's happened is starting to come out in us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, I think engaging in scripture, like you develop a language of prayer and a language of devotion, um, 
it's it's quite amazing like and it like it filters into you and then it comes out in, in unexpected ways like I see yeah. that with my kids as they um as they're learning different bible passages their language of faith is changing mm-hmm. and then that's changing their experience of God uh Jen you've uh shared with me in the past uh your husband is not a Christian um and so we've talked lots about your kids and uh and sort of family uh, devotions and things like that. So what is it like, um, or how do you, uh, how do you, uh, navigate your, uh, relationship with your husband and, um, in terms of a faith context? And I know there's, there's others who might really struggle, um, in, in their family. If, uh, if there's people who don't necessarily believe or, mm-hmm. um, or of a, or of another faith. Um, so yeah, I think people would love to hear about that. Yeah, so it can be challenging at times, for sure. So uh, when I met my husband, um, I, w- I was working for a church, so I, I, I was engaged. I was already in ministry, and um, so that was just who I was, and he knew that. So he like, he knew right from the get-go I was a, a committed Christian, and um, and it meant that I lived my life in a certain way. And so he fell in love with me knowing I was a Christian and like, the, like these practices would be important to me and, and going to church would be important to me. And, uh, I'm raising my children as Christians would be important to me. Uh, and while he, he doesn't share, um, my faith, he, he's very respectful. Um, and he's very supportive of me in my, in my sense of call to ministry. So, uh, like, you know, he left his work in, in Montreal to, to follow me here so that I could, uh, be in this position. So he's, he's very supportive. Um, so he doesn't really engage in, so like we, we, we always, uh, uh, say a prayer before we eat and we light candles. Um, and he doesn't participate, but he, um, he's present for it and he doesn't block it. Uh, and I think that's been really key. Um, you just like being very respectful of, of what, uh, of something that's so core to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because, um, you know, that's always who I've been to him. He's, there's always been space for it. Right. Right. Yeah. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, I, like, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, but I would also love to hear about how are you respectful of him? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, <sighs> I'm, I'm respectful in that um, I don't make demands on him. So just as he fell in love with me as knowing I was, I was, I'm, I'm Christian. I fell in love with him knowing he wasn't, or that's not how we identify. Uh, and so, um, you know, while I, I, I speak freely about my faith and I, and I name how I feel God's presence in our lives and, um, and how I, I, I see God at work in our life. Um, I, I don't expect him to, to name those things alongside me or, um, I allow him his space to be him as well. Um, yeah. And I'd like, so he doesn't come with me to church on Sunday mornings and it, it, you know, it's not a big fight every time I go like, Oh, you've got to come, you've got to come. I, I allow him to have his belief, um, I, I give him the same space he gives me, um, while still, talking about God and, and how, and witnessing to my experience. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think 
like this is in a this is in a marriage context mm-hmm. um so so it's for sure different but i think anyone can also um look to to the example that you that you give actually um just for how we interact with anyone who is not christian um because i think sometimes we have this posture of uh sometimes we christians can have a posture of superiority mm-hmm. um and not mutuality uh, and, uh, I've been writing a little bit about the great commission lately yes. and trying to understand, you know, what it means to be sent out to go and make disciples. And, yeah. uh, and so I don't know, like, I'd love to hear what you think about that, that verse. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, not, not necessarily around your husband, but just in general. But in, it's, yeah. it's interesting. Cause, um, like I, I feel my, my responsibility as a Christian is to share my faith and to, to point to how I've experienced God working in my life and how I see God working in other people's lives. Right. And it's, um, I became a Christian late in life. So I was 20 years old when I became a mm. Christian. My family, are, they're not Christian. Um, my sister identifies as an atheist. My parents are new age. Um, my friends, I've kept my friends from high school. So most of them aren't practicing Christians. So in this weird way, God has placed me in all these kind of relationships that are, that are so important to me, um, that are outside my, my faith. Like they're not like friendships I've made within the church. So, um, and I, and I think that's a blessing in a way because, you know, I, I've, I've learned to interact with people who aren't Christian, who don't always share my, 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 uh, my worldview and, um, and just how to speak really honestly about my faith in these encounters with people in a way that, um, invites them to learn more because I think sometimes when we, we go into these uh, with our relationships with like uh, people who aren't necessarily Christian um, we can sometimes like, I know the truth. You don't know the truth. Like, and and it's off putting. Right. Uh, And so how do you invite someone into your faith? How do you invite people to learn more? And um, you know, and, and I find a lot of my friends will say like, they like talking to me about issues of faith because they don't feel like I'm attacking them mm-hmm. um, and they feel that they can actually um, get a sense of what it feels like to live a life with God. Yeah. I think like one of my, one of the conclusions that I'm coming to around um, that particular text of being commissioned to, to make disciples um, is that we sometimes have like, sometimes we have the wrong focus, the wrong that we have, the focus is on a conversion Yeah, and, and that, and that really we're, I think the focus should be on the people and on Jesus. Yeah. And so um, rather than what might happen mm-hmm. for that, for an individual. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I haven't fully worked it out yet, you know, still thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, but I kind of feel like we sometimes are thinking about like, we, we are kind of putting people as, as Christian projects rather than yes. really treating them just as, as people yeah. Um, as friends, as neighbors, um, spouses, mm-hmm. you know, whoever it is. And, and at the same time we are focused on Christ and it seems like you're really holding those two things yeah. together and people respond well to that, I think as well. Yeah. Um, but I think if we start to focus too much on how someone is responding, we're actually in dangerous territory. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, we have to allow God to be God. Right. Right. Like hey, you just quoted is, the title of my book. That was good. Yeah, there we go. A little plug for you. <laughs> and, uh, um, it, 
I think it's so true though. Like our, our job is to, to witness to how we've experienced God in our lives and, and what following Christ has meant for us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our job. Um, and it's to do that faithfully. Uh, and then, you know, God is the one who, 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 who changes people's lives. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we have to let God do God's work. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. Um, I'm going to, we're going to wrap up because this has been awesome and you've been really generous with your time today. Uh, so I thank you so much, Jen, for doing this. I no, really it's been fun. That. Thank yeah. you for asking. Okay. Take care. You too. I hope you found today's episode helpful. Don't forget to check out the show notes at spiritualityfornormalpeople.com. There you can sign up to get the free short guide called Six Tips to Get Consistent in Connecting with God. And when you do that, you'll also get the latest updates and news from the blog, plus book announcements and anything else I may be working on. So head over to spiritualityfornormalpeople.com and sign up. Thanks for listening today and take care.